for me, this is an experience. Like, yo, like when I'm painting, I've got music on, I'm singing loud, I'm moving around, I'm making the work, I'm dancing, I'm, I'm painting on beat in time with the music, I'm doing these different things, it's all spontaneous. And it's always better for me when there's someone to experience some of that with me. Welcome to the Flying Fruit Bowl, a platform dedicated to the discussion and exploration of art and the creative process. I'm the host and creator, Aaron S, and this is the first part of a two-part conversation with artist Lee Putman. Combining his love of education with his technical skill, Lee creates fine line drawings based on things that move, while sharing facts and information about the subject matter. The painting side of his practice is deep-rooted in his love and work as a professional street dancer, and he aims to combine the two worlds of dancing and art. So I'm going to start where I start with everybody, which is just mm-hmm. tell us a bit about yourself and how you became an artist. You know, when, I, when people say this, I never know what to say because it's like, wait, like, I don't know whether to start at like age five or kind of like around school age. Um, but all right. So really simple. I'm Lee. I'm 34 now. Uh, I, I don't know if I consider myself any particular nouns, but I think the obvious yeah. one is that I'm a dad yeah. and I do art and the art I do is mostly figurative, so uh, bodies, anything kind of movement, um, animals or people, um, portraiture, and I work usually in uh, traditional mediums or uh, analog media, so oils, pencils, pens, pastels, whatever. And I also make a lot of video content for social media where I write and narrate about the things that I draw and paint. And I also have a big background in street dance where I used to do it on the competitive circuit in the UK and Europe and a little bit around the world and I've also performed in the commercial aspect of street dance as well professionally where I've done tours in theatres around the world and performed in music videos, stadiums, events, that kind of thing, commercials, whatever. Um, And mostly I'm just on a massive journey to become the biggest artist anyone's ever seen. You're also a man of many talents, I must say. Like that's a that's an impressive CV so far. And this is this thing. This is so far. This is not even like what you're going to do in the future. I know it's, it. That it sounds impressive, but it's been some. It's been some tough years. <laughs> oh no! Like this. Like, this is the thing. I feel like any creative endeavor, whether it's art, whether it's dance, whether it's anything, is always going to be tough. Like you kind of you get into the life not expecting to be rich and owning a yacht. You get into the life because you love doing something and then you find mm. the value in that and hopefully yourself first and then hopefully other people will find that you know it's like nobody i don't well most people didn't choose to become artists to be rich i think i think yeah it would be challenging being in any kind of creative endeavor is a challenge you know you have to kind of balance everything yeah absolutely but i mean there, there's so many there are so many options nowadays um for people to be able to kind of grow in those creative areas um Oh, sorry. Wait a minute. I didn't even finish the question. Sorry. Apologies. This is going to happen a lot, by the way. I'll just get pulled on tangents and I'll just go. I'll just go with you. That's all good. Um, all right. So that's what I, that's who I am and what I do. Uh, when did I get into art? Um, it's that cliche kid always been doing drawing. You know, I, I have this very vivid memory of primary school. So between, I guess, seven and 10, seven and 11. Uh, on Fridays, I was used to get just like inexplicably happy that there was art class on a Friday afternoon. It was when they would, I just scream with joy and run down to the other end of the classrooms to get to the art table first or whatever. Um, but I was always into art and music. Um, can't play any instruments though. 
just never bother to learn. Like when I'm kind of, if I spend like three months learning, I'll learn it and then I'll just forget everything. So, um, but it was always the art and music thing. And then in secondary school, um, it was that thing in UK where you get to year nine, you choose your GCSEs and you're only allowed to choose one creative out, uh, yeah. option, which is really ridiculous. Um, so yeah. it was between art and music. And then the art teacher just seemed to be more encouraging about my work. So I chose art. Um, and then it pr pretty much kicked off from there that like that two years, year 10 and 11 in school. So about 15, 16 years of age, um, that led me to pick an art college or study art at college that I wanted to do. And then I went to university after that, uh, dropped out, like, I think in the final year. Um, and then I dropped out because of some life stuff and also yeah. because I wanted to pursue dance. And then I went on to work as a professional dancer for about eight to 10 years and then kind of went back to art wow it's full circle now i'm here yeah man and also what i love about that is that your your art actually incorporates both dance and also just art in general so it's like it's a nice marriage of the two of all of your interests mm -hmm. which is nice because i think one thing that i really am interested in is that that everybody who creates art creates art for a personal reason whether they know it or not and it's like your life experiences always play a role in the art mm. that you create whether it's obvious or not and i think that's really interesting because it's like your eyes the sum of you of everything you've lived up until that point and it's just you putting yourself into the canvas or onto the the you know whatever medium you are creating agreed yeah i i have this uh i have this note you know like um uh the the idea of trying to figure out who you are as a person mm -hmm. kind of in that realm and it it stems from i don't know if you've seen the film anger management adam sandler and jack not, nicholson no. There's a scene in it where they're in anger management and Jack Nicholson's character is trying to like goad Adam Sandler's character who's got the anger management issue. And he goes, uh, they're in an anger management class uh, or group or whatever it is. And Jack Nicholson says to him, uh, just tell the group who you are. So he keeps trying to tell them who he is. And each time Jack Nicholson just shut him down, go, no, 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 don't tell him what your job is. Just tell him who you are. Hmm. No, don't describe your personality. Just say who you are. And he goads him into having this like massive outburst. And he kind of like, that kind of leads on to the rest of the film. But it got me thinking, it was like, oh, wow, how do you describe who you are as a yeah. person, right? And it kind of led me to this conclusion after a few years that uh, I believe who you are is um, what remains the same through periods of change. Mm. That would be my uh, assessment of it, right? And so I don't believe that you can really kind of get a gauge of who you are until you've seen yourself through periods of change. And I think art is a really good record of those changes kind of throughout yourself. And I think yeah. if you recognize the patterns in your work, um, you can recognize more of who you are and, and kind of almost have like this bi-directional feeding of information. So you can kind of almost become like a caricature of yourself if you're not too careful but yeah. it's this uh, thing where it kind of you learn more about yourself and you can kind of concentrate and focus on those things and then you can decide when to step out and like you were saying earlier do things that make you uncomfortable and explore and go through more periods of change you can almost kind of navigate those with a bit more control but yeah it was just sparked Ooh. that thought no i like that a lot that's so interesting because i think that's so interesting because the idea of like for me like, i think the idea of like knowing who you are I think art is such a good vehicle to try to discover that. But I also mm. feel like it's not something you'll ever be able to discover because the way you see yourself and the way other people see you are so different that you'll never, you'll only ever have a certain perception of yourself from your own eyes. Mm. So I think that's, I just think that's a really interesting way to look at it in terms of like feeding back into your own work, but also your work feeding back into you. That's really interesting. I like that. Mm. It's like an interesting feedback loop. That's really interesting, actually. I'm going to be doing a lot of thinking <laughs> about that. I said that. 
<laughs> this is the thing like it's interesting because as somebody who like i do photography and i create my own work and i see other people's work and it's like i see it's, it's weird because it's like you see things it's almost like i'm trying to have a good analogy that's not going to sound maybe sound very old um it's like a cassette tape you have two reels and it's like they're both playing at the same time you know, but it's like, but they're both very different things. It's kind of, I don't know, it's interesting. That's a mm. terrible, terrible, terrible analogy. But it's just, I don't know, it's interesting how, like, for me personally, like, as somebody who creates work and also watches other people create work, it kind of, it's weird how it feeds back into, I okay, this is a ram, this, I'm literally rambling, but like, this is, it kind of feeds Ramble back into yeah. Um, It's just something interesting about that idea of like reflecting on yourself through your art, whilst also kind of, because the thing about, so I guess, wait. I'm going to say this. I guess that the good thing about art, or the art that I'm always interested in, or at least one of the very many facets of art I'm interested in, is community, and how we use art as a vehicle for talking about topics and discussion, or having discussions that we wouldn't necessarily normally have outright, or tapping into a certain type of person or a certain group of people, or like maybe if you mm -hmm. create work that is um, about street dance, you're tapping into people who do street dance. You know, it's like. You're not just creating images of street dance or tapping into what that means. Like, kind of like your, like art. I used this analogy a while ago. Art is like a lake. People always see the surface, and some people want to dive deeper. And I think mm. that's the thing about art. Like, as the artist, you're creating work about something deep, but it's up to the person whether they want to just stay on the surface and reflect, you know, look at themselves in the reflection if they want to dive into it and understand the subject matter you're portraying. Um, but anyways, me moving very swiftly on from me rambling. Um, so it's interesting, man. Do you consider yourself to be a self-taught artist then? Oh, uh, with skills, yeah. Like, it's a given. Like, I didn't get taught much skills or if any skills at all when I was in college or uni. Um, but the, the other lessons I've learned about discernment, and discernment is the thing that I'll crack on most about, man, mm. in art. Discernment is something that I learned from, from my teachers in like um academics and outside and because of that for me because uh, discernment is is at least equally as important as skill at least right i think there's i think there's a good argument to say that it's the most important thing in any creative endeavor is discernment um because i've been taught that by people no, I wouldn't consider myself a self-taught artist. Um, but I think people, there are like colloquially, we have loaded terms. Hmm. So if if I was to say, um, I don't know, like a uh, an alpha male or whatever the hell that means, right? We all have hmm. like this rough picture of what it means, you yeah. know, like that that kind of overt Donald Trump type. Yeah, but we could all right. You know, I don't know what it means, right? But like we could all have some kind of um, nuanced picture of what it means. And I think yeah. when we say like what a self-taught artist means, I think we have a kind of rough picture of what it means, kind of share uh, like a shared understanding of what that is. Um, so with that, I would say yes. But I think if we actually like we like you were just saying about diving deeper into that thing, no, because uh, there are lessons that I've been given that um, I. I don't believe I could have got if it weren't for me being with the people that I was with. Hmm. Okay. So then what are your thoughts on art education for artists? Like, is it important to have a degree or do you think not? This is, I love this question right now. So I just finished my first year in academics teaching. So I'm oh, wow. teaching in a, a college in South London, right? Um, and I was so morally conflicted with how they were giving out the 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 certificates oh wow because some people based on the criteria alone based on the criteria that um 
the the uh, the awarding body had set, they get their certificate, they pass. Yeah. But in any given art circle or any given art career, they would not be able to demonstrate that they have passed any kind of art course at all. Mm. There's there would be no demonstration, oh, yeah. and they don't care as well. They got it just because it was like like kind of politics or bureaucracy of, of education, right? Yeah. Um, the students don't care. The college just wants to get them through or whatever. And yeah. uh, it, which, which happens. And we know that that happens in education, right? Absolutely. But I think that, I think having a degree is not important, but I think it can show competency. And I think not with any, but I think any kind of specific marker of, I got a first, I got a two one, or I got a distinction or a merit or whatever. I think it's arbitrary. I think those ranges are helpful to tell you where you are currently at on your journey, right? So if someone is borderline fail or pass, then it's okay. Okay, cool. Then you've got potentially discipline issues, or maybe you've got um, uh, skill issues. Maybe you just can't demonstrate what's in your what's in your brain, right? Or, or maybe you can't understand what the, the task is. But let's say your merit distinction level, then it's a case of, okay, cool, your organization is fantastic. You can demonstrate what we've asked you to do. But perhaps there is a massive creative or individual issue where you can't generate your own ideas. Like you're great at copying and, and regurgitating information and yeah. demonstrating that thing, but you can't provide anything substantial in a creative circle, right? Or area, which is really important for, for creatives, yeah. right? Um, but then I'm also a massive fan of art education in general. So I would kind of like split your question into two and, and to give you kind of two answers. So in terms of certificates, I think they're good. I think they can give you a kind of bracket of where you might be. Um, but I don't think we should put much credence into them. Um, I think a portfolio is way more important, way more important. Because um, uh, a lot of the time, just the last bit on that is that uh, degrees, certificates, whatever like that, whatever you want, diplomas, whatever you want to uh, say, um, a lot of that can be circumstance. So someone who can't yeah. afford it may not be able to get it. And it's just, very true. it's just, I, I, I think it would be a shame to, to say that that is the, the base mark on which we should uh, kind of try to reach or that we should um, get people to or whatever. Um, the, um, the other one, sorry, is uh, art education. I'm a massive fan of art education. I believe specifically that we should separate um, developing skills to um, understanding art concepts and abstract ideas to um, your own individual wants and ideas within yourself and art. And I think we should separate those three. And I think art education should be uh, about the first two. Hmm. I think there should be a space for you to have your ideas and not be criticized on your ideas at all. Um, and it should just be about teaching people how to develop their skills, understanding where they sit on that kind of continuum of good artists and bad artists, and how to use their skills to, to bring their ideas to life effectively. And I think that's what art education should be about, is, is managing that. So I think it's very important but for those reasons. I have so many questions from that. I'm like, <laughs> but I, far away. Because so the, the, the thing is that like, I know the way you talk, you're very concise. But you're also very academic. Like I can, you being a teacher, I can absolutely say that. I can <laughs> absolutely say that, and I think that's such a good decision on your part. Whether you enjoy it or not is a different matter. But I think that's such a good decision because I think I whoever it. you're going to teach is going to is going to be educated, and I think it's going you're going to do a good job. Really, just kind of inspiring people, which I'm assuming is exactly what you want to do, being a teacher or being any kind of educational body. You know, I think Thanks, yeah, man. I think whoever is being taught by you with generally, like Johnny Amina is very lucky. 
uh, because it's just the way you speak and the way you talk about things. And it's not like you're saying things because you want to say it and sound cool. It's like, that's just how you actually think, you know? And I appreciate that. Um, Thanks, but man. I guess, so I guess a question I was going to go from there that you've just said, and I was like, oh, actually, let me just ask this code. I typed it down. I was like, is there such a thing as bad art? Uh, it's contextual, I think. Uh, yes, I think is the short answer, but it's contextual. I think that's the only answer I can give as a short one. Um, art is subjective and we can't get away from that. However, we have to agree that we can talk about art objectively because we do it all the time. We do it all the time, man. There's no way that I can say that you get a diploma and someone else doesn't if we can't talk about art objectively. Yeah. It's just impossible. So we have to be able to have some kind of metric where we can say this is good or successful, this is bad or unsuccessful, whatever the word you want to use, successful, good, effective, whatever. We have to be able to use these terms to describe what you're doing in a given context. We do it in education. We do it when we're buying and selling. We we measure. We have price brackets on a market. Yeah. Um, people use it as tax exemptions from the government. And um, we do it in competition. We say that person mm -hmm. wins, that person doesn't. Because I was in a I was in the portrait artist of the year. The woman next to me, Christabel, she won my heat and she went, ended up winning the whole thing. The feedback I saw on the show afterwards of why she won was because they said she had an interesting take on likeness. Mm. Now. I've just realized this is going to make me sound super bitter. I have no, I have no, no bad feelings towards that competition yeah. or her winning. I felt that day like I had won, even though I lost. It was an incredible experience. But I don't know what the hell they mean. There was no judging criteria beforehand on the website. They'd all just said what it is that they wanted to see, which I mm. think is already a step wrong. I think you should be there as yes. a judge to observe what is, not say yeah. what it is that you want. It should be descriptive, not prescriptive. Yeah. And I think that I think if you're going to be in any of those situations, I think you're I think it's dishonest to say that to fall. I think it's dishonest to sit on on uh, the kind of the simple answer and run away from the argument and say that it's just subjective and it's just what I feel when you're when you're measuring people in an objective way. So hmm. depending on the context, yes, there is absolutely such thing as bad art. Huh. That's what I mean about you speaking so well. Like that's like that's, that's a great answer. So, do you think that society values art? Um, do I think society values art? Yeah, man. Like the biggest celebrities that we have are artists, right? They're all actors and singers, yeah. like and musicians or whatever. Like, yeah, absolutely. Like we value it hugely. I think it's of course, man. If you're talking about like painting art and mm. that kind of stuff, yeah, but. I think um, I think it's going out of uh, fashion, or it's being uh, how would I uh, how would I say this actually? Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's a weird balance actually. I don't really know how to say this uh, uh, simply, so I'll, I'll kind of I'll lengthen this one out. I think from the artists that I've spoken with, and this is I'll only go from anecdotally here from my experiences, mm. right? That the artists that I've spoken with that tend to do some kind of contemporary art, whether it's sculpture, painting, whatever, they kind of have this almost entitled attitude where it's they kind of expect people to revere what they're doing and and enjoy it and you see it um i hear it in conversations or when i go to people's exhibitions um in galleries or even online when people kind of expect to have people um like they kind of expect that like people value numbers on social media obviously and they expect yeah. to get a lot of views likes comments shares whatever just because they spend a lot of time on the, on that thing and they believe it's it, they believe it looks good and and i think it's just i think it's a big mistake to not understand where and how your work has value 
when in any given situation, right? Especially nowadays where we've not just got social media and online platforms, but AI is coming in like a massive snowball that's rolling down a mountain that's got no end to it. It's it's just I think there's there's a lot of room for it to be put in places where it can be valued in the way that people think it should be. Um, and I think there's potential for it to be valued highly. But I think right now, the kind of stuff that we do, I think people respect it out of kind of uh, almost like tradition. Like we respect that someone can paint because traditionally we have respected that someone can paint. Hmm. And it's we still respect that the skill level is tough. But in terms of valuing it, through enjoyment like i'll go to a gallery because i enjoy looking at that thing and i have a good time there no i don't think people do because the thing for me that i've always figured out was interesting is that the way in which people or the i like to say the general public like have an attitude of like oh art's easy oh all you do is just paint that's it and it's like well actually being an artist involves so much more than just painting or just creating work like and i think that's part of the reason that i obviously have this podcast because, um, you know, it's about, the, as I said in the opening, it's about the creative process. Because um, it's like the whole idea is that like art, what people think art is and what art actually is are two very different things. And mm. I think like as an artist, does it ever annoy you when you meet people who are like, oh, th- that must be so fun. You're just in the studio all day. And you're a bit like, uh, no. No, it doesn't annoy Like, no, it doesn't annoy me. I don't get that too much. But some people like, it's weird because the people that I speak to that have said that to me, most of them are people that have kind of watched me in uh, kind of corporate settings, just oh, okay. doodling all day that, that really wish that I would get out of it and go and do something creative. So mm. a lot of these people are looking at it like, oh, I'm really I happy see. you're doing this for yourself. The yeah. few people that have said that to me where I was like, oh, cool, like you must just kind of paint all the time and oh, that's really cool. Like, what do you do? Do you just go to galleries or blah, blah? And I think, yeah, man, that's what I do all day. Like, that's amazing. Like, like I just, I don't know. It's It's like, how would I say this? No, it doesn't bother me because that's what I like about it. Hmm. And I don't know if they're suggesting that there are, if there are undertones of them saying that it's easy or, do you know, the kind of the, the phrase that we get in England, which is, uh, oh, must be lucky or lucky yeah. for some or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's a case of, like, I never get that feeling from them. Um, and if I do ever, I can't remember if I ever have, but if I ever have, I, I assume I would have just responded kind of with the assumption that, all right, cool, I'll just give them the benefit of the doubt that they don't mean that, you know? Mm. Like, there's, like, when I go into art circles, there's, I often sense racial undertones mm. for anyone's audio um, mixed race with dreadlocks. So it's, it's like, a, there's that kind of like yeah. elephant in the room usually yeah. um, when I come into a place. And, but I don't want to, go in with a chip on my shoulder assuming that's the case and then respond that way um so i just kind of assume uh the best and just like kind of like in this situation and just say okay cool like maybe that's not the case and you know whatever like is that i don't think they mean that and maybe they're just talking from their perspective or whatever so no it like when they say stuff like yeah and when they say stuff like yo you must just be having fun in studio all day it's like yeah i am man i'm listening to music i'm painting like it's amazing like i have the best time so the one thing that I've actually picked up on just so far in this conversation, which is actually interesting, is that mm. you have a very interesting network because mm. one of the a few times you've said like, oh, the people that I know are creative or, and I feel like that's actually a really good thing to like point out actually. It's like you clearly are at a, at a point in your life where like the people you speak to are within the same field. So therefore mm. it's kind of like you're always surrounded by creativity, 
therefore what you do is not like something strange or something weird or like oh why are you doing mm. that it's like it's it's everybody is understands it so part of it and i'm actually kind of curious like how do you ever think about that in terms of like how your environment impacts the work that you're creating oh yeah man like all the time like like i i I do my I've done my best to put myself in environments that will facilitate me making better work right mm -hmm. so you, you just saw my my studio mate Daniel right yeah. and he uh he facilitated me being in here right so it's like but he knew that place that I was in before because I was making work at home he knew that if I had the space to be able to do what I want that based on kind of how I am and the work that I was making that I'd be able to flourish and he was completely right it's been almost a year since we've been in here now together and it's been it's invaluable, like the like having a space to be able to go and to not rearrange things or hmm. to not um, have to worry about my son kind of sitting underneath my desk or, or to not even have to consider um, using toxic materials around a toddler or a baby, yeah, you know, like of these course, kind of yeah. things. And then just like you would, like I go to the gym now, I go to the gym, um, not just because of the facilities that they have, but because I like being around strangers that are also doing the same thing because it motivates yeah. me to do the same thing as well. Right. And it's, I think there's a lot of power in that where you, if you remove your ego and you understand how things affect you, um, I think you can utilize spaces like that or environments like that, whether it's a physical environment or it's a mental one or it's a social one. So uh, like you said, like a lot of my friends are creative. So we'll just a lot of the time we'll just throw each other our ideas just in a whatsapp mm. group and just like if i make a video or i make a piece of art or um, my my friend does um uh, one one guy's an actor um so he uh well my little brother's an actor sorry so he like he'll uh, put in showreels or, or audition tapes um, another friend is a podcaster a photographer as wow. well so he'll put in stuff in the group and we just um we just ping stuff ideas on another friend of mine he does a lot of um he done a lot of gaming and he done a lot of piloting so he just kind of like shows like different things that he's learning and it's just like we all value learning quite highly so yeah. we just will show each other's uh we'll show each other our own progress which is quite cool and it's um and just that's motivating you know like when you're around people that want to do a certain thing all the time and that they're encouraged by their own learning or their own thing that you're interested in naturally i think it's just going to enthuse you to to do more I actually love the fact that it's so diverse. I think that's what more people would actually need is they mm. need more kind of diversity or like diverse inspiration is probably the best way to put it. Because I think mm. the problem is that as an artist or just any kind of creative field, you can get very, very, very easy caught up looking at the same thing, the same type of thing. Yeah. And it's like, you're never going to inform your work or, or progress or kind of grow yourself as an artist if you're, you're kind of only looking at the same thing. If you're comparing yourself to every other painter, your painting is never going to improve beyond just being painting. You know, but if you're looking at different, if you're looking at like say cinema, you're looking at film, you're looking at, you know, podcasting, you're looking at, you know, sounds as well as, you know, visuals or, you know, all that kind of stuff, like your work is then going to improve or you're going to think about your work in a very different way. You'll be like, okay, what happens if this image was the sound? How would that attract people's attention? That kind of thing, you know? And then, you know, maybe in the future in an exhibition, you would create sound pieces to go along with your images, you know? I mean, absolutely. And I think like, I think the big thing on that is kind of understanding almost like, what is it that you want from this this creative endeavor that you're pursuing, right? Because because I think there's a distinction to be made between um, people who make art and people who use art as a business, yeah, right. And I think the people who use art as a business tend to be the ones that will make the same type of work. There's a guy on Instagram called Lawrence White, I think, um, British artist. He does like um, mm -hmm. portraits of celebrities, and he said he's a businessman who sells art. And he makes these huge portraits and he sells them. He does, he 
like does great numbers and commissions. Uh, like he always sells work and he, he does like work for marketing, TV and whatever as well. And he has a very consistent aesthetic. And it wouldn't surprise me if he had a very strict system of how to make this stuff. And because he doesn't, I don't know him, but with the stuff he presents, I mean, can only read for social media. Yeah. Um, the stuff he presents is, is seems very linear in terms of his kind of input and output. And I think that I would say that the caveat to what you said is that even though I, that's what I, how I live my life and what I do, I would say that probably works best. And this is just an educated guess here. That probably works best if you're someone that wants to expand your creativity. Hmm. If you're someone that wants to make art and span and kind of try new things, I think that's exactly what you need. However, I would I would be hesitant to say that that's what someone should do if they want to use art as a business and just go in one linear direction. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I think what the whole reckon? idea, I think the whole idea of artist versus business, like, are they the same thing? Are they different things? You know, at what point do you become commercialized and what point like at what point does commerce ruin the creativity the whole kind of balance between commerce and creativity is such an interesting conversation and the idea of like are you a person or are you a factory because at the end of the day it's like you can become either very quickly you yeah. can like I feel, I feel like look at like damien Hurst, private example here in the uk come on let's be yeah. honest like he doesn't create his own work anymore because he doesn't need to it's like does that make him an artist still well technically yes but also technically no because he's not the one creating the work you know, it's it's about the name. It's about the brand, not the per, like the actual artwork itself. And it's like, so like, does that improve the work? Or does that take away from the work? I don't. I mean, he's a fascinating one because I, I agree with you. Like he said on, I read his post like two years ago now. I think it was, or maybe a year ago. One of his posts uh, when he was doing those dots in Japan or whatever it was, those big paintings. Mm. And one of his posts said, uh, "Who cares how the work gets made as long as you get great work?" Mm. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, actually. That's one of them conversations where you need to delve deeper. So I think like what's really cool, right, is when we challenge our definitions and understandings of things, right? So in this topic, so I think I would use as a quick reference, I would use like race and maybe gender as like one of those things which which ha help, has helped me challenge my understandings of these things, right? So uh, I'm a man and I'm mixed race, right? Or some people would uh, call me black, right? So it's okay, yeah. cool. So what does it mean to be a man and what does it mean to be black? And do we have any fixed definitions of those? If not, why? And then how would we understand what those things are uh, between us, right? And then if I put that in other directions, a table, like what's a yeah. table? And yeah. many things can be a table, but we have this kind of understanding of what one actually is and what one isn't, right? Like I could put my phone on top of a cup, but it doesn't yeah. mean it's a table, right? Yeah. So it's the yeah. same thing as an artist. So Damien Hurst, obviously, like you said, like he pays other artists to do the work for him um and then puts his name on it and then takes the credit for it and takes most of the money for it and okay. gets the accolades for it right however what are we valuing there are we valuing the skill level like i said earlier like the skill to be able to do the thing are we valuing discernment so they be able to the ability to make good decisions right
Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good question. Yeah. Yeah, that is because you'd be like, well, actually, the person who put the paint down would. But then you're like, but actually, why did you put the paint down? Like, who told you to do that? Where did you get that idea from? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Can they do it again? That's interesting, actually. Yeah. But because I think the thing that I find really fascinating is that when you see artists get to a certain level of notoriety where it's about their name, not the art. And it's like, like people like Jeff Koons, he can create what's he can just create whatever he wants now. Like he doesn't have to even be anything relatively don't know Jeff Koons. Wait, you'll you recognize his work. Wait, look him up quickly. You recognize his work. How do you know what Jeff Koons is? <laughs> like, wait, what? They've never heard Jeff. Yeah, yeah, the balloon dog. I should have said the balloon dog guy, Jeff Koons. Or like, or like, let's just say like cause. You know who cause is, right? Okay, let's say for a better example, I guess cause. Um, like someone like Corns or Jeff Coons, they can do whatever they want. And it doesn't even have to be anything a good, anything interesting, anything necessarily aesthetic, but because their name is on it, it will be revered and valued. And it's like, as somebody who is an artist who is always trying to evolve, like, do you care that people are able to do that? Yeah. Yeah. let's say Andy Warhol, right? Yeah. Maybe people don't appreciate his work nowadays, but when he was first making it, you know, like, or maybe people, let's say like even uh, Banksy, let's say Banksy yeah. is still about, yeah. right? And it's um, his political messages, they don't have as much impact now that we've got social media, now that now Twitter without a profile picture can have, can get their their comment on BBC News or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, and it's like these things, like pe everyone's opinion seems to matter as much as anyone else's, no matter the message nowadays. So someone like Banksy is like, even though he's not making work that has as high an impact as it used to, anything that he makes, people are gonna are gonna love, right? Like he made that um, yeah. that uh, United Kingdom vest for Stormzy, uh, on Stormzy's performance. I thought it was cool, but it, it wasn't like I wasn't like, oh, that's I need that vest, or I'd love yeah. to rock something like that, or I'd love Banksy to make something like that for me. It's just like because Banksy made it. Yeah. Um, but then Stormzy talks about it like he didn't even want to hold it. He didn't want to have it in his house because it was it was so valuable. And then it had to get taken away a few days later. But I think that's the same thing. It's like, but the reason that Banksy got there, that he can do that, that he can be the person that everyone wants to know who he is, and that no matter what he does, it's like it's like a national treasure. It's because of the stuff that got him there. So I think I would say I consider that. But then I also. So I think two things can be true at once. And I think the, the other side of it is that I don't think we should revere any individual because they're making things like that. Like I, I wouldn't say that any person is, I'd be hesitant to say that any person is particularly special because of the mm. stuff that they've made. I think you get a few in a species that are gonna change the course of history, Charles Darwin's, whoever yeah. else, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I don't think Jeff Koons or Cause or Banksy is anyone that I would be like, you, you're, you're able to do anything that you want now. Like I, st I still think there should be some accountability of like, almost like a review or like, a, I don't know, like, you know, like, like, let's say a person has been driving for 50 years. It's like, shouldn't we test that? Like every 10 years, shouldn't we test that they can still drive? Yeah. It's like yeah. every 10 years, shouldn't we test that an artist is, shouldn't we like sh subject them to some kind of scrutiny to see if they're actually still making anything that's valuable and relevant, relevant I, I guess. Yeah. I think, I don't know. I think one thing that I actually said that I haven't thought about is the idea of like 
when Banksy first started, this is not a podcast of Banksy, but it might end up being. Um, <laughs> like, I guess when you said that about Banksy, my kind of thought of that immediate thought was like timing. It's kind of interesting because it's all about timing because, you know, you're right. If Banksy was to release work now and start his career now, would he have the same impact? Probably not. But like, why is that? So it's like, how as an artist do you make sure that you are creating something that's relevant or something that's going to actually kind of try and stand out? Or do you even care about standing out? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's, I guess it's what your message is, right? Maybe your message is inclusion. Like there's this artist in Australia called Talia Stanton. She stands out because her work's very good and she's got a large following on social media because of the messages and the videos that she puts out. But in terms of her message, a message is just about love, sharing, making sure that people feel good. And that's not a standout message. Hmm. Like um, it's just more positivity in the world. Um, so I guess, I guess it depends on what it is that you want. And sometimes maybe not even what you want, but what's needed. Because hmm. maybe your artwork is, is, is necessary, but it kind of, um, I don't know, maybe you have this almost like a responsibility to, to put it out in the world because that's what people need right now. But do you not think that's dangerous though? Because then you can get very much taken by the current of what people need, not what you need as the artist creating work. Yeah, and I think we see that. You look at actors like Robin Williams, for example, uh, Heath Ledger or whatever, where um, they give, they forsake themselves. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, like, I don't like that. That I have no idea what the right answer is. I mean, this is like mm. we're talking, we're going straight into philosophy now, which I guess yeah. art and philosophy of there's there's obviously that that there's that kind of marriage between the two. But um yeah, I I have no idea what the right answer would be um on that. Cause I think it's based on what you value. I mean, you look at like those those stories of of samurai that would uh that would end their own lives, you know, like they kind of yeah. They would say like, because it's all the kamikaze fighters in in any kind of co culture or whatever, you know, who would uh, die for a, a cause that was greater than themselves, right? Mm. Um, and then some people would think individualism is the, is the way forward, you know, like look after yeah. self and then everything else afterwards, you know, like I think that's probably one of those contextual things, depending on what it is that you want, depending on what's necessary, you know, like. I mean, I guess I mean it's a timely, obviously, with Oppenheimer coming out as well. You know, you've got yeah. conversations like that where it's like, you know, of like, do you, do you agree with the thing that you're doing? Does the world need this right now? Would would worse things have happened if you didn't do what you did? You know, yeah, like, I don't know. Because it's tough, I think, man, yeah, because one thing that I'm always really kind of just curious about is the idea of audience. And I know this has gone completely off topic, which is great. Um, <laughs> but the idea of like audience and the idea of like, at what point as an artist do you? do you lose yourself to your audience because they expect a certain thing from you versus Ooh. what you actually want to make? Because I think this is the thing. I feel like, in my opinion, and this is my very, you know, naive outsider opinion, is that an, the kind of way, the way it works, quote unquote works, is that an artist will make work and they'll make it because they love it because they can. And then people will like it. People will see it. People will talk about it. People will promote them. They'll give them some value. And then the tide will turn where people are like, they expect. It's like, social media it's like i guess celebrities you know i guess musicians are a great example where like they release an album people love it they release a second album people are like what you're doing we want to hear this and it's like well no the artist is in control of of what they're doing their their art at what point does the audience then get a say because then one could argue the audience is what makes the artist because mm. they're paying your bills essentially yeah i mean it, I, again 
So this is this is a really interesting one. I because uh, I've had this like a, a lot like a battle with this recent, very recently, where it's like there's a lot of confusion. I think on this, um, uh, just in my own head about like kind of what the right answer is here. But yeah, a, a lot of confusion. So uh, for context, so a, a lot of the art I make, I've split now. I've compartmentalized. So I have like a commercial aspect, which is the I have a page on Instagram called Facts and Fineliners. And uh, that's where I basically just draw things in pen and ink. Um, and then I narrate things, stories, facts, uh, fiction about these um, or fables or whatever about the things that I'm drawing. So if I draw a, a rhino, I'll tell you some facts about the rhino or something yes. like Charles Darwin or whatever. Right. That's a very systematic thing um, that I enjoy doing that satiates a part of me. Um, but it is very giving the people what they want. It just so happens that I want to give that to them as well, right? Which is quite nice. Then they've got the stuff that kind of got behind me or whatever. So this is there's behind me, there's a painting of a gorilla. And it's um it took a few hours to make. It's very, it was very spur of the moment, very I want to make this. This is how I want to paint. And I'm just gonna give that one away. There's someone that saw it, that loved it, wow. that they want it. So I'm just gonna give it to them straight away. And I really I think there's a lot of power in being able to do that with my art that I can say. I can sell my work for X amount of money and I can be really proud of that. And there's value in that so, uh, because societally and socially we value, uh, we value money and that's going to give me more opportunities and status and blah, 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 and whatever. But there's also a lot of value, I think, in being able to say, um, I decide where the value is in this. Yeah. And so I I don't need to make this for anyone. I don't need to make this for you, for a group of people, for an audience. I can just make it because I want to make it because I like looking at that. And if someone else wants it, I can give it to them. If not, I can keep it because I enjoy it. And if someone else wants yeah. it, I don't have to charge them for it. I don't have to do what everyone else wants me to do. I can just say, you can have that because I want you to enjoy it how I enjoy it. And, yeah. and you can do that. So I think there's, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is there, but there's a lot of... um. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of going through a transitionary period right now where where I'm considering that. But yeah, I don't know. So, yeah, I think that's really interesting personally, mm -hmm. just because I have always found, maybe it's just me being the way I am, but I've always found there's always, you get a lot of joy out of doing something for yourself that you don't share with other people. And the whole idea is that you do something for yourself because you can. You know, like you can sit on work and it doesn't have to be for anybody else. It can be mm -hmm. just purely for yourself. And I feel like we live in a society where it's always like, you need to show us what you're doing. You need yeah. to prove that you're putting in the time. You need to prove that you exist outside of, because I think we like the way I look at life, this probably sounds weird, but I feel like we all live two different lives. So we all live life online and offline, you know, okay. you know, online is a secondary existence. That's the way I consider it. It's like real life is the actual real life. But I think nowadays, especially the younger generations, maybe I'm just old and I'm thinking about, I remember the internet when it first started when whiteboards were a thing at school you know like so it's kind of like <laughs> yeah, yeah like for me this idea that if you're not online you don't exist is a really interesting concept to me mm. because we forget that artists out there having fully fledged careers that have never ever ever been on social media and they're not on social media yet they're making money and they're they're, they're probably having a better career than a lot of artists who are I don't want to say that's not, I was going to say scrounging. That's a horrible word to use, but like who were, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, who were <laughs> trying to get, okay. Who are trying to have a career through social media or through the internet and not doing a very good job. Like I get, yeah. oh, although 
I guess what I'm trying to say, actually, wait, let me try, let me try to claw some decency back. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is I feel like we forget that social media is not the only answer. There are other ways in which your work can be shared and can be viewed and can be seen other than social media. And I feel like we forget that life itself in general, not even just social media for artists, but in general, like you don't just exist on social media. You exist in real life. And I think we need to, personally for me, but I've definitely learned the last year at least, um, especially doing this, like you forget that you can take a break. You can stop. You don't mm -hmm. have to be doing, you don't have to constantly be working. Like it's great to constantly work. It's great to always be showing people your work and showing people your art. But in order for you to create art, you need to live. And if you're not living, what are you creating work about? No, I, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think, yeah, there's there's a lot to be said about making sure that you can manage that time. Because social media is obviously, because it's so new, we're talking really kind of like modern day social media is the last 10 years. Hmm. Right? It's so new. But it takes over so many lives um, in such weird ways, you know, like hmm. partners, friends, family members, they won't spend time with each other because they'll just be on their phones on social media. And they give, they give each other kind of this half attention because they're more interested in, in how life is being presented to them in this kind of superficial, uh, fantastical kind of way, right? And I get, the, I get the, the pull of it because it looks amazing and people do such incredible things on there and you kind of, it's not, it's so weird. It's like, it's not implausible to think that you could get a million followers and just be rich. Right. So everyone is obviously trying to chase that kind of thing. And it's like there's so many opportunities there. And I think because traditionally the avenues to become some kind of successful artist have been almost gatekept by certain institutions. Right. That. I can imagine the freedom that you, you air quote freedom, and I'll kind of put kind of some hesitancy hesitancy in that is that the, the kind of freedom that you would see yeah the freedoms you can get online i think are, are, are going to be um really appealing right you can do earn all of the money yourself you can take control of how you're you're showing yourself and your and your marketing but we're thinking of these uh not just role multiple roles that you're adopting but we're, we're also thinking about that these roles are industries there is a financial industry there is a, a marketing industry there is a a a in editing or, or kind of filming industry. So you have the, like, these aren't different hats that you're putting on. These are different like businesses and industries that you're kind of dipping your toes into that would be yeah. handled by these institutions that would do it for you. So I think you're right. I think when you're going into these areas of online, I think it's, it's so important to manage yourself and just say, all right, I need to have regular breaks. I need to go and live life. I need to go and make sure that this isn't consuming me because you can get sucked into yeah. working eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 hours a day consistently and just get burnout. And I think that yeah. happened to me recently. I just, I had a whole week of, as we know, just yeah. missing, yeah. obviously I missed yeah. our original appointment for this. Like, yeah. uh, like just missing everything. And I was just burnout like it just completely yeah. spaced on everything forgot it and i think like it's just that thing of knowing that you need breaks knowing when to manage that for yourself and knowing that online isn't everything but the difficult part of that is that it's very quick to be it's very easy sorry to be forgotten quickly online so if you're if you're not always present and uh, not that it always happened but there's an opportunity for you to not be relevant anymore after let's say three months six months or whatever if you're not being consistent at the forefront there's this 
it's this weird rat race that now happens kind of online to kind of be at the front and it's uh yeah it's quite it's quite interesting to to watch and now be a part of is there a problem though the idea of becoming irrelevant is that a problem because one could argue if you become irrelevant then you can reinvent I feel like the problem mm. they're trying to always be relevant is that you're always doing something that you think people are going to like, not what you want to do necessarily. And I think reinvention and the idea of like, actually, maybe what you're chasing isn't what you're meant to be doing. And because you haven't had the time to stop and assess that, you're not going to know that. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think, um, I think that it kind of depends on who you are, what you know of who you are. And what stage in life you are, right? So I think as like a, a marker, you can probably say that most people will probably understand themselves by age about twenty-seven to thirty, kind of ish, right? Most we'll people, say yes, right? <laughs> we'll yeah. Say yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there are, um, uh, or at least how they're comfortable living. Yeah, yeah. I would say that. Um, I think there's an opportunity for people way younger than that to realize what they like. Um, obviously. We, I, last time we spoke, I was with Constance. I think she said from like age like 11 or 14, she knew that she just wanted to paint figures in water and it just hasn't wavered. Like she just knew. Yeah. And for the last like 10 years or so, she's just been yeah. like relentlessly just doing that thing. And it's like, it's, it's remarkable because even now, even though I've, re I've just realized at 34 that I know what I want to paint hmm. or like 32 or whatever. Um, even now, I still don't know how I want to paint it. I know that, yeah. like, I did an exhibition with Constance back in April, and now I want to paint the way that I painted then completely differently. Like, the figures that I painted, I just want to completely change it. And I know how I want to change it, but it's, it's so different. And it's, yeah, it's hard, man. It's very hard. Yeah, it's, it's tough. I think also the problem is, I guess, because you don't want to pin yourself down, because the whole point is that you can do anything. Like, your possibilities are, are endless, and you want to evolve. We also want to have some kind of set boundaries and be recognizable and have some kind of, um, I guess, come, almost some kind of motif or some kind of, um, like you want people to like recognizability, I guess. Because if you're constantly changing, people are, are going to possibly lose interest because you're always changing. But then if you stay the same, people are going to lose interest because you're staying the same. It's like trying to find that balance between the two. Mm. My next question for you is, what is the biggest challenge of being an artist? Oh, I'll tell you what, there's no blueprint of how to do it successfully that's got to be the biggest challenge at least for me anyway man because it's like when i left work i left work at 27 and i was like all right cool i'm just gonna go do art like i was i was working in an energy company in london i was like cool i'm just gonna go do art i'm gonna figure something out it took me a year to figure out that i wanted to do painting so a, a girl convinced me to do, try painting i'd never tried it before i'd only worked in pen and ink before like oh. i only done like um like comic book style drawings or whatever and i was like i'm just gonna do art and did <laughs> picked up painting and i was like oh, i'm pretty good i could i could do this like, i could see myself doing this like two months later i made this huge piece of uh i guess you call him an astronaut felix baumgartner he'd done the record jump from red bull uh uh with red bull sorry from the the atmosphere stratosphere whatever you want to call it um so i did a big painting of him and people loved it and i was like oh i'm actually i loved it and i was like oh i'm pretty good and then someone bought it i was like and i remember i quoted him i think it was like 500 at the time and they just said yes straight away and i was like oh no maybe i could have got more and i was like wait no don't think like that like if is that really like is your work does your work have value like that already it's been two months i was like okay cool like maybe maybe there's a way to do this so i, was, I thought okay cool well then i'll just I'll develop my skill over the next year 
Um, I think like four months later, I competed in, I applied for Portrait Artist of the Year, got in, in that. So nine months after learning to paint, I was in Portrait Artist of the Year. That's and I thought it it was insane to me, man. I was like, I was like, this That's is ridiculous. Insane. Like, like really, like I'm in the room with these people. Um, and then after that, I took a three month break and then set up commissions and it just went well. But I was learned, I, I, I learned about so many faux pas. So I, uh, I didn't realize that you, you're not meant to apply to galleries. Yeah, apparently they just, you, you're, they're meant to just kind of headhunt you. And if you okay. apply, it's a bit like, a, I don't know, it's a bit like a guy asking a girl out in a gym, apparently. It's a bit like, oh, you shouldn't really do that type of thing, right? Like, it's like they're in a space where they just want to kind of whatever. And it's like, um, so I got kind of politely told that that's what I shouldn't do. And then, um, and then I was like, okay, cool, no worries. But they were like, all right, look, if you want to kind of show us some work, whatever you can. So I did. And then I found out that you're actually meant to have at least like 15 pieces of like consistent work. And I just didn't have any, I had like two pieces that looked the same. So I found out you meant to have like a whole body of work. So you meant to paint yeah. one thing and you meant to paint that thing loads and then show people that thing, right? And not have any variation or whatever. So I was like, all right, cool. So I found that out. And it's like, as you go along, you realize, but like you have like these, these unwritten rules socially with, with these, these environments and people kind of forgive you if it's your first time, which is quite nice. But they're also a bit, I just think they're a bit silly. Yeah. Right. Like, well, I'm not allowed to ask you if I'm allowed to be in your gallery or not. And I have to have all of my work the same. Like, I understand it from a business point of view. Yeah. But let's have a conversation about it. Like, 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 we, like, like I can tell you if I can make the work or not or whatever. Like, we're just going to decide on this. And then it's about portfolio and it's about reputation. I'm like, how do you build a reputation? And then you have to go into art competitions, maybe. And I was like, okay, cool. I can do competitions. That's what I did in dancing. And, but you have to pay like 35 pounds a piece to get in an oh, art competition. Yeah. And I was like, all right, but I don't know how they're judged. And I'm like the guy that trains me in dance. He's uh, one of the two people that created the judging system to put breaking into the Olympics, wow. the trivium judging system. So I've all I've had for like the last like five, 10 years is someone talking to me. Uh, and I mean, he's a very clever guy. I mean, to be able to make that stuff as well. Right. Is someone talking to me very, very directly about, how to measure art objectively so then when i when i see it in dance and i see it done poorly i have a reason uh i have a way of, of justifying my opinions on people and not entering competitions or entering based on the judges that are there so when i see art competitions i'm like i have to pay 35 pounds or 45 pounds an entry and you're just going to tell me if i win or not based on if you like it and then if you like it you, like that will tell other people that they should like it i was like i don't yeah. even know what that means like like mm. and then what I, I, there's a there's a market of like people that are going to buy art as a luxury item because art goes for a few thousand a piece. And I have to just find out who that is. Then I have to find out what it is that they like and make work for them. Then I have to find out if they're willing to buy mine. And then I have to find out how to consistently sell to those people. And I just thought that's like, what, what are we doing here? Like, there's like, what, like, where's the blueprint? Like, am I just, am, am I right in this? Am I figuring it out? There wasn't really many people to talk and every artist that I spoke to just kind of sounded like they were having the same issues, but they didn't really know what was going on. And if they were with a gallery, the gallery sorted it all out for them. And if they were independent, they didn't really know what was happening. And they were kind of trying to make it on social media, but also trying to hope that a gallery would sort it out for them. And it just, it, the whole thing just seemed like a mess. And it just seemed like if you weren't kind of hot flavor of the month or whatever, for someone that you weren't really anything. And I was like, I don't really know how to be a hot flavor for someone without justifying it. Like, 
almost like um, if it isn't a merit uh, if, it, if it isn't meritocratic i don't really know how to kind of navigate that situation it's like hmm. if you like me you like me if you don't okay cool like can we like but we can't work together if we don't like each other like that's not a thing okay cool like now i know and it's just there's there's no blueprint so it's i'd say that like it's just you can tell based on my my answer that it's just a minefield for me i have no idea how to navigate it yeah, that's actually a really interesting answer because that question is a question that I ask people when I meet artists in real life. And obviously, what do they the say? Podcast. They say a, a, a variety of different a variety of different answers. But I think I think the most common answer is making money. Is oh, the where? biggest answer is, is big changes making money, um, or social media. I think because a lot of I think a lot of artists just aren't extroverted. They're not people who. Um, adapt mm. to the social media game very easily mm. or their intentions on social media is not just to create a big following and get loads of likes and, and have you know loads of money that's really not what they're doing it for so i think translating what they love to money is very hard for a lot of people i think it's hard for everybody but for certain people it's better and certain people it's not um, and i think artists are the kind of people who are very much like like i don't think i've met an artist in the what probably three years now almost three years three years that i've been doing the flying fruit bowl like every day every, mostly yeah pretty much every day i've never met an artist who is 100 percent together that they know exactly what they're doing that everything is perfect that they're always making money i've never met anybody like that mm. i've met people who are close and that i've met people who are who look consistently successful but i also know that's only looking successful not actually mm. being successful because i have the privilege of talking to people um and kind of scratching the surface of like oh you're you know you have x amount of followers and oh you have you're working with x brands or you're uh, creating x amount of work and you're selling x amount of work and then i find out like yeah they are doing that but not in the way that you think they're doing that so do i don't know that in what way in terms of like the illusionary nature of it all just the just the nature of having to constantly figure it out i think it's good or bad depending on the, your personality and the kind of person mm. you are and if it's the challenge you're willing to accept because i feel like it kind of goes hand in hand with art because i feel like the whole point of being an artist is self-discovery it's you figuring out who you are through your work or you figuring out what value you have to the wider society and art is just your vehicle to figure that out you know the same way somebody might do the same by you know writing or they might do the same by acting or whatever kind of other creative endeavor but I think, I don't know. I think it's, I kind of, <laughs> how nihilistic should I sound? Um, I do kind of feel like, like everything, art is just another way to pass the time. Whilst also to be recognized, hopefully recognized as having some sort of value because you're sharing a certain perspective with other people. You know, we all like validation. We all like to feel like we're valuing, we're being valued and contributing to society whether we are or we're not. So I kind of feel like for me, and maybe just my opinion and the way that I see just life in general and just yeah, definitely my perspective in life. Um, I just feel like as long as you're comfortable with creating work and you're comfortable with knowing that you'll never really fully figure out who you are as an artist or as a person, then I think you'll be fine. You know, the whole point for me at least, or the whole point in my opinion for an artist is to never fully figure out who you are. Because as soon as you do, you'll probably start creating art. It's like creating the perfect painting. As soon as you reach the pinnacle of creating the perfect painting, what else are you going to do? You've done it. Yeah, really. I think that's the, at least for me, that's the beauty of it, right? So it's like, even though it frustrates me that there wasn't a, there is no, there are no blueprints to it. Because I like to anchor myself to something to then play. Mm -hmm. 
I think the beauty of art is just like science is that you can't finish it. Hmm. You know, like I can't complete okay. art. Right? I can't complete science. Okay. It's just, there's always something for you to do. There's always okay. something for you to play with, learn. And I feel like one of the beautiful things I love is that like I've ne I haven't had a creative block. I don't think ever. And I always say to people like that I've never had that problem of, a, of knowing, not knowing what to do. It's always been knowing which one ideas to let go of because I can't do them. And it's uh, yeah. there's, that, there's, yeah. there's so much movement and freedom that you can have within it, man. I just, yeah, yeah, yeah I think it's beautiful, man. But then how do you yeah. choose what to let go of? Because I think that's probably the hardest thing you can do. Because yeah, you want to do everything. Because you want to do everything. You just don't have the time, but you want to do everything. Yeah. So I think it's like, it's, you have to, it has to be educated. You have to be considered. And sometimes you have to just forsake yourself a little bit, I think. It depends, right? So like, the reason I do art, and I decided to do it, and I've committed to it through everything that we've gone through in the last few years, is just because I can't, I can't not do it, man. Like, I become intolerable to be around when i'm not making art like i'm I, like i'm unbearable man really like I'm, it's become your personality yeah i mean it's just it's my personality to to release and create and make like i have to and to teach as well like i have to do it i have to communicate somehow with people and i like doing that in creative ways if i'm not making art i just oh man like it's i, I mean it man. Like, i'm just i am just you don't want to be around me I'm just, it, it's just it's horrendous. I've become a horrendous person, man. Um, wait, what was the question? I lost. I lost focus. No, no, that. No, I don't think I, I can't remember. There was a question to be very honest. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, I just I, I need to make it, man. I need to make art. Yeah. See, that's interesting because it's such a sentiment shared by a lot of artists. The idea, like the need to create art. Yeah. Not even just like you having to create it to make money. It's like you need to create it, even if you weren't making money from it, you'll still be creating it. Yeah, that's what happened in the first, like, when you go in dips of, like, um, like through COVID or whatever, mm. any artists that still make it out now didn't stop, even though they lost commissions or sales or mm. whatever. Like, just, you have to do it, man. It's like, and people took up art. People took up oh, different yeah. creative outlets, right? Just because it's like, you have to do something for your, for your brain to mm. feel, feel good, right? If you're not being, or if you don't like your job, but you can satiate yourself with, I don't know, some alcohol on the weekend or whatever, or your job itself actually kind of does that thing for you, so then you can kind of, remove that hobby but there were some artists that I, I met at um the other art fair uh last year when we did do, I do it last year wow was that a year ago yeah last year um um who only started making art during the pandemic hmm. i know i'm making okay. a business out of it like it was just it was like you, you just there's something where it realized oh i need to i need to feel satisfied i need to feel like, kind of nurtured creatively you know like you, like it's definitely a personality trait you definitely yeah so what kind of skills does somebody need to be an artist? Depends what art you make, I guess. Uh, we're talking like the kind of the stuff I make. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So if it's just painting, um, observation skills, kind of the normal human stuff of being able to understand information and ask questions and whatever, like you need, you like for sure you need to be able to communicate. You have to, right? You have to be able to communicate. Um, discernment has got to be the biggest one. That's like that's the first and foremost. So that's the something that's something I teach um, in the in the college that I'm teaching in now, and any kind of any person I tutor, the sermon is the first lesson, the ability to make good judgments. So you need to be able to see what is effective, good, whatever word you want to use, um, and you need to see what is ineffective or bad, 
based on the context and why that is. Like you need to be able to know that. So before you do anything, you have to be able to look at some, I mean, you can play around or whatever, but before you're becoming an artist, I, I strongly believe this, you need to be able to look at any given area, let's say painting, for example, let's just say portraiture, like portrait paintings. And you need to be able to look at the good ones and you need to be able to understand that they're good first and foremost, and that the bad ones are bad. And you need to be able to understand the difference between the two. So you need to be able to say, this is good because X, and this is bad because Y. And then you need to be able to understand that. Then afterwards, you need to be able to understand where you sit in that continuum. Yeah. So you go, okay, cool. I'm either bad, good, or somewhere in between. And you need to understand why. So you can implement some kind of trajectory to get to where you want to be. So you can say, cool, let's say you're about halfway down that continuum. And you say, cool, I want to get to the top of that, that hierarchy. I need to make sure I know how to get there. Otherwise, you're just guessing and you're just kind of trying stuff. And you can improve by accident. It happens, you know. Yeah. But if you want to make real improvements and and practice effectively, you need to know what it is that you're doing and how it's going to help you and why you need those things. So that's discernment's the the biggest thing. And afterwards, um, persistence, discipline, kind of more like more personality traits than anything. Um, so you need to develop those and you develop those like kind of staggered, which you would normally, you know, like if you're not a disciplined person, you can learn to be like, it's not, I say it's not that hard. It's not that complicated. It's just hard by definition, obviously discipline. Um, you know, like if you're, if you can't concentrate for more than five minutes, then you push yourself to like, you do five minutes of work and then you push yourself to six, you know, and then you do that a few times, you push yourself to 10, you do that a few times and you just keep doing that. Um, if you're someone that, finds that you get really motivated for two weeks and then you stop doing it you need to your discipline is to cut yourself off before you carry on so if you go for two hours you need to cut yourself off after 15 minutes while you're enjoying it and at your peak and then you need to come back to it the next day and do the same thing to make sure that you can manage that that energy so you can go off or whatever um persistence because there's uh something i talk about with people is the rate of learning so Hmm. your your it, it tends to be the case, and I haven't seen anything different from this, but I can't speak on everyone. It tends to be the case um, that people will understand things faster than they can demonstrate that they understand those things. So their, their practical application, uh, if we're talking about practi- uh, practical and theory, their theory will, will develop quicker than their practical. Um, so let's say they're spending a week on a painting. Halfway through that week, they'll probably learn where they've made the mistakes and then they have to make the decision to either scrap that whole painting or carry on with making those mistakes that they know were there or change how they're now painting it halfway through with the new things that they've learned so the painting doesn't kind of mesh and it kind of looks a bit different you know and it's these kind of decisions that they need to make um but just understanding that that's going to happen and not being disheartened by that um and just saying like oh I'm not, I'm not, i can never really get anything finished or whatever blah blah it happens um organization it's probably a little one depending on what you want to do and then skills like actual practical skills so if you want to make anything analog um maybe other than sculptures i would say maybe textiles maybe even those two i think drawing is a must drawing needs to be on point and drawing uh it doesn't need to be anything specific like oh you need to be excellent at anatomy or excellent at um fantasy or anything like this or whatever i would say it's just a case of understanding form form and mark making those two and you'll be you'll be able to approach 
um, drawing anything with confidence so that even if you get it wrong, you can just make uh, small adjustments. Um, I always use an analogy for that, like um, like throwing a tennis ball. So let's say uh, let's say me and you are playing catch with, with, te- with a tennis ball right now, and it's fine. We can throw it and catch it, and it's fine. And then I move 10 meters away, and then you throw it, and it's too short. Um, you don't get disheartened and then think you can't throw tennis balls. You just, I pick it up, I chuck it back to you. And the next time you just adjust and try a little something, you try a little bit more, or you try something different, right? And you okay. you just take it in your stride. But each time you make educated guesses quite quickly about what it is that you need to adjust. So then I've gone further and you're fine now because you know you need to do a little bit more. And now we start, both start moving in a circle. So now we're kind of moving and we're changing distances. So you're going to make constant adjustments on how you're going to throw and catch and how you need to do it. And you're going to drop the ball. I'm not going to catch it and vice versa. But you're just going to keep making these adjustments without really overthinking it. And I think that kind of application is needed as well when you're developing practical skills is that, yeah, you'll you'll mess up a lot um, and it will happen and you'll get things wrong. We all have bad days. Even people like Kim Jong-gi or whatever probably has a bad day or had a bad day. Rest in peace, Mm. obviously. Um, But just got to adjust and just carry on in it so i'd say yeah drawing discernment um being able to manage your discipline and persistence that's actually really good advice i'm like i can see why you are in education i know i keep saying that <laughs> i can absolutely see why i can absolutely see why absolutely thanks see. man that's really cool no no i think that's really like generally i think that's really cool because it's like it's just very honest yeah no i don't know it's very like kind of like yeah it, it paints the picture. No, no pen intended. Oh. But it paints. Like, I, was, I didn't think about that, and I was like, "Oh, well, I'm painting right behind you, of course." But no, it paints the picture. Like it's actually very like that's a really solid way to think about things. And be like, oh, actually, that's a really also that analogy is a great analogy as well. Because so, it's so visual. But then you're a visual person, so am I surprised? Why? Um, <laughs> so you're a full time artist, right? Yeah. So at what point? At what point did you know? that was time to take the leap into being a full-time artist before i even came an artist really yeah yeah so like i said at 27 i left work and i was like i'll just figure it out had no money no plans no savings just knew i was like yeah cool i'll just figure it out man it's just what i want to do like i was i just (laughs) it's gonna sound all right i'm gonna lower the tone slightly but don't feel bad for me um i was working at an energy company and i was so I was working at an energy company for four years and then I sidestepped to another one just to get out of the place. Like I hated it there. And the company that I, I went to, I was there for three months and they, um, I was talking to my, my studio mate about this actually uh, the other day. So they did this thing, this course that was uh, seven habits of highly effective people. Right. And they did it over they did three lessons over the course of three months. Right. And the first day of the course they did it every year. First day was the day before I started and management said, look, just come to it anyway. We really want you to kind of uh, be a part of this is something that we do. Yeah. I was like, I didn't really buy into any of it. I thought it was just woo woo. I didn't really. I was like, ah, this is not going to be for me. I was just going to be one of them like Paolo Coelho books or whatever. I don't really care. Whatever. I hated it all. So I went anyway and I was like, look, I'm here. I might as well just lean into it. Yeah. Like, mate, like, w- like, what's 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 gonna happen? What I'm gonna like, I'm gonna not enjoy it, and then I just go home and I haven't enjoyed it. Like I thought I wouldn't, right? Whatever. Four hours go by, it gets to lunch, and I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. It makes sense, you know. Like, 
I like the idea. Like there's like the one exercise you talked about straight away was um, having a, like a, just a glass jar full of rocks and pebbles and then sand. And it was basically talking about how to fit them all in the jar appropriately. And it was about managing the larger rocks first, then the pebbles, and then the sand afterwards. And, it, and sand kind of walk, moves around everything. But the, um, the analogy was, or the representation was, to handle your big problems in life first, and then kind of go down the pecking order like that. Um, handle the big ones and everything else will kind of fall into place and uh, and i was like oh yeah that's i was like yeah it makes sense i, I like that, it that just makes sense yeah i was like, i wouldn't i wouldn't buy a book to learn that but i was like it was cool but um but we uh we did the rest of it for the rest of the day and i was like oh this guy's got some got some knowledge man it's kind of cool felt pretty good but i just wasn't my head wasn't in working in energy anymore hmm. so the first day i started i hated it and uh after three months we did two more sessions of this um this seven habits uh course and i was so into this course i was like because i they give you a little book and a pack when you go home or whatever so i just read for it whatever i was just, just digesting it i was like yeah man i really i can't do this anymore man but i'm still work i'm still working here and i was kind of can slowly kind of convince my partner to shift our lives to this place and we should just get a house and I'm, i could work in energy for the rest of my life and whatever and uh and I, I hated it so much. After three months, I didn't know what I was doing. I think I was like a regional account executive. I think that was my role. And I just didn't know what I didn't know what I didn't know how to find an account after three months. I didn't know who my clients were. I didn't know anything. Like I just I was so I was my head was so not in it. And I was I used to be good at my job. Um, and I was uh, I was so my head so wasn't in it that I just didn't know what was happening. And I remember going home one day to, to my partner. And this is where the sad part comes in. And I just burst into tears. And I was just like, I was like, look, I can't do this anymore, man. I can't go to this place anymore. I hate it there. Like, I can't, I can't go and work for someone like this. I hate it. And she just looks at me. She goes, "You got to quit then. You got to leave." And it was reminiscent because the same thing happened when I was in uni. Like, I just had this massive breakdown. I, I said to mum at the time, "I was like, yeah, I can't go to uni anymore." And she'd been pressuring me to go. And she trusted me. She just looked at me and said, "Cool, then you got to leave." Yeah. And I remember thinking, "Okay, cool." Like, when I make these decisions, the people around me they see that I need it. And they trust yeah. me. So I, then I can trust myself. And I went, all right, cool. Went in the next day, handed in my notice, left at the end of the month. And uh, and I was, this is one part of us. Oh, no, I shouldn't. No, I'll say it anyway. I said it out, wherever. I said it to people, whatever. So this, I, I, I was a little mean to someone. The only way I can justify it is because uh, they were mean to me. But I shouldn't have been yeah. mean, but sometimes you've got to give back. And um, anyway, so I was leaving work. I had in my notice. Some people came over to kind of say goodbye. And they were like, oh, what are you going to do next? And I just said, I don't know. I'm going to figure it out. Like, I just need to go and have some time to myself. And they started mocking me. And I remember thinking, okay, cool. Like, you need to get it out yourself. Like, whatever. Like, I know, whatever. And then they said something. They said, um, there was like, like the kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. They said something. And it was along the lines of, oh, I wish I could leave. But, you know, I've got bills to pay. And I remember saying to them, and I'm not proud of this. Yeah. So don't judge me. Right. But I remember saying to them, yeah, I just don't want to get to 40 and not have left because I had a phone bill to pay. And, <laughs> and it was and I, <laughs> I feel like it was necessary, man. They and they they just didn't say anything and they walked away and I was like, all right, cool, good. Um but it was it was so it was like that's pretty, like obviously I oversimplify it and I'm mocking people's like like I can't there's no way I'm making a comment on people's lives or whatever, right? And what people have to do. Um but it was how I felt about the situation. And I felt like you can't, 
Like, you can't judge me for wanting to go and do this myself because you're not comfortable with it. Like, that's not the way it is. So, 100%. Right? Like, I was like, cool, right? So, yeah, so I left and then I just figured it out, man. I spent like, uh, I went, there was this dance course that I did. There was a, um, a friend of mine told me that his friend was running this dance course, uh, a woman called Tally. And it was this three-day course called Ideas, Identity, and Industry, III. And the idea is that each of the days was about one of those subjects, and she would help you develop in that area. So help you develop your ideas as a dancer, your identity as a dancer, and you in the industry as a dancer. Mm -hmm. And um, it was just exactly what I needed. I just needed to feel creative. I needed to feel confident in myself. And then the next year, I just did any any creative job I could to just figure out what it is I wanted to do until I found painting. And then from there, the astronaut thing and that happened. And that's how it grew, man. So yeah, I didn't I didn't know until well, I, well, I did well about a year before I actually started becoming a professional artist. Yeah. So I found it interesting for a lot of different reasons. I feel like as somebody who has a day job, who I'm that I always say to people, I really would love to just quit because it'd be nice just to do nothing for a while. And people are like, why would you do that? You've got bills to pay. I'm like, yeah, I have bills to pay. But having time is so much more valuable sometimes than having responsibility, depending on your circumstances in life. I think because it depends. Like if you have kids, it's very different. If you have a family that, that you're supporting, it's very different. Very. If you're single and you're literally just, you know, working a job to work a job to make money to live and you have the time and ability to do other things, you could potentially be doing something better, you know. And it's so I think the idea of saying to somebody like, you don't want to get to 40 and stay for a phone bill. <clears throat> I have a manager who's been at the same job for 25 years and he'll never leave because he's, he's like, what, 10 years later, 10 years, is 10 years away from a pension. And it's like, but you could have done something so different with your life. And it's easier said than done. I think, I think there's actually, the older I get, the more I realize there's actually a huge value in quitting. I think, because you're always taught not to quit. You've mm. always been like, oh no, don't quit stuff. You'll be okay. You'll, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll figure it out. You'll, you know, get over whatever, you know, hurdle you're, you're facing because you're not sure about what you're doing. It's like, well, actually, if you quit and give yourself the time, sometimes that is way more valuable than slogging away at something and being unhappy. And I think, yeah, the fact that you are brave enough, because there's bravery as well, that you are brave enough to be like, hey, you know what? I'm going to have a notice in. Don't know what we're going to do. That's cool. We'll figure it out. Like, I have so much respect for that. Partly because I want to do it myself, man. but I have so much respect for that. <laughs> because I'm like, it, it takes a certain kind of person to really lean into that because that's scary. <laughs> so let's get into your work. So, um, for those who may not have seen it, can you describe your work? Yes. So uh, I do a, a few different things. So the the I would say like I kind of split my work into kind of three categories. Um, one, which is the contemporary side. So this is the side that I kind of fall in with the kind of fine art world. So this is why this is where I would consider myself a contemporary or fine artist. So I paint um, mostly things that move. So mostly figures, uh, animals, and humans. Um, with most of my work um, focusing on wildlife and uh, street dancers because my background is street dance um i do this with uh, mostly oils and then i use a lot of different mediums because i quite i quite like to play so pastels oil sticks spray paints charcoal whatever um that's the contemporary side and then the commercial side which i've been calling it now um because that's where i kind of have been leaning in terms of working 
mostly to kind of earn money, but also to kind of collaborate with businesses and work with businesses. Um, for that, I draw different subjects. Um, again, mostly people and animals. That is just pretty much the, the kind of most of the content throughout my work. Um, I draw it in more of a realistic aspect, not hyper-realism or photorealism, just, um, just realism. But I do it almost predominantly in hatching. Uh, so just ink, so fine liners, um, and that's on the the social media account that I have, which is called Facts and Fine Liners, and that work is kind of split into two, which is where I said there's a couple of things. So it's all drawings, and it would be of maybe animals, maybe of figures throughout history, maybe fictional characters, um, and then what I do is I research about those things that I draw, so about the animals, um, figures throughout history, or fictional characters, and then I write short stories about those things to narrate over them as i've uh, as, as videos that i make about them so i'll make videos about these drawings um so i'll record myself drawing at the same time um and let's say like earlier i mentioned like let's say i draw a rhino um i'll record myself drawing a rhino i'll research a story about it then i'll um i'll write the story and then i'll narrate that story over the video and then i'll put that video on social media so i really love i really love this idea of education like you're not just creating work to be like, this is impressive. Look at me. I'm awesome. It's like, this is an education. It is also an awesome image, but I'm also educating you because also the, the funny things are like the facts and stuff that you present are like very like, oh, this is interesting. It's actually mm. stuff that is interesting. It's not like this is a rhino, you know, it's like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. You know, and I, I think for me, like just diving into it, I think it's really, really fun because it's like, it's interactive. And like, how important is it for you to, because it, it's interactive and engaging, and, like, and how important is it for you to create work that is interactive and engaging? It's like, it's the driving, it's the drive behind it at the moment. So I, uh, so obviously we last spoke uh, properly when uh, we did the podcast for the show that me and Constance were doing at hmm. uh, Kudu Gallery. And after that experience, I had a massive change on how I wanted to present my art to the world like a massive change. So wow. the our show was um, our artworks in a room. So I think I can't remember how many we had. I think I had like six and she had maybe seven or eight. Um, and they were spread around the gallery and we had an open evening. It was really cool. Like it was meant to be two hours. It went on for three hours. The room was packed. Wow. It was just, it was like, it was better than either of us kind of anticipated and maybe even better than we'd hoped for. It was really cool. Um, Industry people came down that we respected. Our friends came down. People that we didn't know came along, and it was just amazing. We got to chat to people, and it was really self-satisfying. Like, it was, it was amazing. However, something that I've been thinking about a lot since I left, um, and and since I uh, since after since I left, so since we finished the exhibition, I also went to a few other exhibitions of some artists that I like, and the same thought kept prevailing, which was, this is really cool for me because I like art. However, objectively, this is just paintings on a wall in a room. Hmm. And as an experience, kind of a little touch to what we talked about earlier about the society value art, as an experience for gen pop, right? Like um, the average goer to, or the average person, it's a really boring experience. Hmm. Like I don't know anyone outside of my creative circle that has said, yo, there was this really cool gallery that had these great paintings on the wall. I can't wait to take you along and go again. I'm going to go yeah. again on my own, actually. It was so much fun. 
Like, I don't know anyone that said that. I don't, I, I don't think I've seen a single comment online where someone was raving about the Tate Modern and the room or like the National Portrait Gallery. That wasn't an artist, right? I don't know yeah. anyone like that. And it's mad because when I lived in Holborn for, a, for almost two years, I would say on average every other week, weekend, I walked from Holborn to Leicester Square um, and then Leicester Trafalgar and then just spent like maybe a Saturday, Sunday afternoon just walking around National Portrait Gallery, just looking at the same paintings over and over again. I loved it, man. And I would just chat to people in there, get an understanding of why they liked it, whatever. And no one else that I knew liked it. Like it was just, it was such a weird thing and I couldn't wrap my head around it. And I realized that there's just, there's no experience for people. So then after we kind of years later and we, I do the exhibition with Constance, I go to a few more exhibitions from artists and I realized like, what's the experience here? And I remember there was one exhibition of this artist that I love and he's really popular right now. And I was looking around there and there are a lot of people in there that weren't even looking at his artwork. They were, it was like they had their wine glasses and they were just chatting to people and they were chatting to each other. And it was almost like they just wanted to be involved in something. Mm. They didn't necessarily want to just scrutinize the art and like really enjoy it and talk to the artist. They just wanted to have an experience somewhere. And I thought, oh, there's something really valuable there that we're not connecting with, which is people just want to experience things. And the important part that I thought was really cool, and I can't remember where I heard it, I'm really trying to think because it was someone who had, there was a story, there was a podcast I was listening to. Someone had a kid who was autistic and he said he was trying to get his kid to go out to a restaurant and the kid didn't want to go out because he didn't like being in public spaces. And then after trying to get him to go out constantly and they put him in public spaces, the kid said to him, the kid was like 12, right? And the kid said to his dad, oh, I get it. I get why you want to go to a restaurant because you want to enjoy eating food with around strangers. Hmm. And the guy was like, yeah, actually, because we could get a takeaway and take it home. Hmm. Or we could go to an empty restaurant that no one's goes to, but you want to kind of be around other people and experience something that other people are with. That's why people go clubs or whatever. Yeah. And I thought you do. That's that, like, and it's such an oddly valuable thing to be in a place where other people that you don't know are enjoying something and just enjoy it with them. And I think focusing on the fact that people just want to have some kind of experience is kind of my drive at the moment. I say kind of, it is my drive. It's to create these things, uh, whether it's online or in person, where people are gaining something from it, where they could, there's like this almost like, um, uh, like um, a rewatch value in it or a re re-enjoyment value in it. So they can go back to it or they can share it with a friend and say, yo, you need to see this. Like, I need to share this. And it's like um, on my social media, like one of the coolest things is that people... Um, obviously, whether people tag you or not, it shows uh, when people have shared your reels. Mm -hmm. So uh, I see it all day. So like, I'll, I'll, like, there's like fifty thousand something followers on there at the moment. So I see it all day, like where people share the new reels that I put out, and I always go on there and either like send them a little message, like with a little fist bump or say thanks, whatever, or just like it. And it's like it's always just to be like, oh, cool, like you like this so much that you wanted other people to enjoy this thing too. And it's it's like okay, cool. There's this there's something for people to enjoy here rather than me just saying. I drew this, make sure you enjoy it. And yeah. it's, it's, it's that. And I think there's, there's, there's something really valuable about an experience that I think is, yeah, it's important that the idea of, of uh, focusing on the, the audience members and how they're enjoying your art is really important, I think. I think it's interesting because you've hit that really interesting sweet spot where it's like 
you're creating quote unquote content, but it's also art. Yes, there has to be right. Like, we, like we, I guess you can kind of if we if we can split it simply into categories, you probably put it to three, right? Like, so you can put it into how you would maybe say like there is some kind of product, then there is the arts, and then there is art, which we would traditionally think of as paint and drawing, whatever, right? So there has to be right. Like, we, like we. I guess you can kind of if we if we could split it simply into categories, you probably put it to three, right? Like so you can put it into how you would maybe say like there is some kind of product, then there is the arts, and then there is art, which we would traditionally think of as paint and drawing, whatever, right? So you would have like a content creation. Content is just anything that's put out onto social media, right? So it's like, yeah, I'm a content creator, but sometimes maybe it's a, a lifestyle thing. So maybe it's that like you're just trying to motivate people to have a better lifestyle. Maybe you're, it's instructional. So maybe it's a case of, um, it's like a history lesson channel or whatever, or it's a case of, uh, this is a cooking channel or something like this. And it's not particularly art, it's instructional or whatever. Um, then you've got kind of the arts where people are taking it down. Like, a, like there are a lot of comedy channels on social media. So people will be really creative with how you can use social media. So it'd be almost social commentary about the thing that they're in, which is quite cool. Um, and then you've got people who not only use content creation to show their art, but they actually, their art is content creation. So okay, there are- So the thing that I found through just my talkings to people, I guess I do learn something actually, talking to people, um, is that like, you can't put work on social media, expect people to like it and then have an audience that's connected. I feel like as an artist, yeah. you have an obligation in many ways, in some respect, to actually find a way to connect with people. It's not just a case of like create beautiful work. Yes, people are going to like it, but they're only going to like it at a service level. If you want people to buy your work and you want people to invest in your work and you, because they're not investing in your work, they're investing in you as a person. You have to be personable. You have to be open. You have to be honest. You have to be, I don't think it was the best way to put it. You have to want to be present in your work you can't be an artist and be like i'm just going to hide behind the scenes and my work will do the talking because that only works for some people that doesn't work for everybody some people it does it just as an observation from people i know i have a lot of as you can imagine a lot of cool art friends that i talk to often um and they're they're it's interesting for me because like they're a spectrum of people like some people just never <laughs> want to be on social media and some people love social media some people can't get off it it's great it's such an interesting kind of gamut but I kind of always realized that like the people that are being quote unquote successful and actually successful, not just online successful or showy successful, they're the people who are actually putting in the effort to make sure that they are actually engaging with people like yourself in the way of like the work you're creating is not just let's create a great image. Your work is like, yeah. let's have a discussion. And actually I want to know your opinions. And you know, if you're going to, if you're going to interact with what I'm into, what I'm doing, I would also interact with you. No. I think that's also a big thing. Like you sending fist bumps to people might take you like, you know, five hours a day because yeah. you're getting that many people saying right. it. But that also is still you doing your job. That's also just as important as you creating the work itself because that's engagement. And I think yeah. that's something that people forget. Like you can't just comment on people's posts and then think that's your engagement because it's not. Like I've always said, this is just obviously the way I do yes. stuff. It's like the most important conversations happen in the DMs. It's why you send voice messages to people. If somebody hears your voice, it's much more personal. They're going to understand you a lot more as a person than you sending a, an anonymous text message. You know? 
this is this is why I have a podcast because it's personal. Like the people I like the people I speak to. Yeah, I'm not always yeah, the people the out of the 70 odd people I've spoken to, yeah, of course I don't I don't talk to everybody all the time. But a large majority of those people I, I regularly will contact, like here like you know, as you can imagine, you filter through back and forth. I keep contact with a lot of people. Um, too many people, but a lot of people. And that's great because it becomes personal. It's not just, oh yeah, I like your work, it's cool. It's like let's talk about this. Same with same as an artist. It's, yeah. like, it's not just, oh, here's a great image. Yeah, 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 I agree. It's really more like Here's how I view the world. Do you view it the same way? Let's discuss it. Mm. I think somebody like yourself, because you're also, I think, cleverly playing up to something like TikTok, where it is about the reshare value. It is about, oh, how viral can this go? It is about how interactive can this be? It works out really, really well for the type of work you create for that particular space. And I think that's also a very different thing because like different work requires different spaces. But your, your fine art images, your quote unquote more fine art images, might not work in the same capacity as the fine line drawings because they serve different purposes because they're different types of work. And I feel like another thing that a lot of people have to mm. do is they just throw every single piece of work that wait, they they post, I guess, every single piece of work in the same way and not thinking like, oh actually YouTube is a different platform to Twitter. It's a different platform to TikTok, it's a different platform to Instagram. You can't just post the same content everywhere and think you're going. To, it's going to be the same. Things land very yeah, differently. Man. Audiences are very different. Yeah, yeah. Surely the best thing you could do is embrace each platform, which is something you do, which I definitely talk about. Is like embrace each platform and be like, how can I make the most of this particular platform without compromising my artistic integrity? Like how can mm-hmm. like how can you develop your own skills and learn about yourself as an artist by doing something different on different platforms? You know, not just post the same thing everywhere. Because yeah, you could do that, sure. But then, yeah, how are you going to grow? How are you going to (laughs) learn? Develop yourself. You know, that's just an observation I found from the however long I've been doing this. It's just because you know, as as I said earlier, like social media is one of the challenges that a lot of artists face, and obviously, it's always a challenge. Social media, you know, it's so large and it's so kind of um, all, all encompassing. But at the same time, like you have to navigate it in a way that's comfortable for you, but also enjoy it. You know, have fun. Because if you're not having fun with it, if you're posting stuff and you're not having fun posting stuff, how do you expect people to have fun with what you're posting? You know, you have to, the energy you put out is the energy you will receive. Yeah, agreed. So, okay, that's my TED talk over. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and the thing is, I mean, that kind of mentality is it's so like people tend to think of that specific mentality that you just referenced different when it's social media. But it's no different. Like if you want to go and work traditionally and with a gallery, for example, it's like, well, if you don't like making the same kind of pieces of work every day, yeah. like like you don't like making 15 pieces of work a month or whatever, or eight pieces a month for the, the same type of work. It's like, it's like, yeah, if you're not going to enjoy it, you're not going to enjoy it anywhere. Man. Like you have to, like you really have to consider, like you said, like what it is that you like doing, understand that there's longevity in it and understand that, look, if you're trying to get like a large audience out of it, there's a way to do that. If you're trying to get some discipline and you're trying to just be held accountable, there's a way to do that too. And that if you uh, want to change direction at any point, um, there are ways mm-hmm. to do that too. You can do it. There are just consequences to any decisions that you make, you know, like it's just, it's just worth considering. Yeah. No, I agree. I think the audience thing is also really interesting for me because it's like, you have to remember, I said, I say this like it's easy, but all you need is a thousand people to pay you a hundred pounds. That's a hundred thousand pounds. That's, that's the livable wage. 
that's all you need it's Jesus. finding the right you know thousand people or have yeah or ten thousand people or whatever or like you know scale it up scale it down how many how much work do you want to be creating what price point do you want to be creating it at scale it up scale it down you know it's kind of it, it's interesting that i see nuts. people who because it, it's weird right when you it's just when you put the numbers in perspective because you think yeah. like because you think like like most artists that i know have a thousand followers yeah right and it's like if not, they've got maybe got seven, eight hundred or so. I think that's a yeah. lot of people. That if if, like, if you if you have those people engaged, yeah. that's a lot of people that are yeah. if they and they're willing to contribute and buy your your stuff that, that can support you, man. Like, you don't need to have a milli. You don't need to have five hundred. You don't need a thousand or whatever. You can like, if you if you can really engage those people. Yeah, it's like silly when you think just a hundred pounds, and it's yeah. like I could spend a hundred pounds on on a piece of artwork. It's like nine hundred and nine other people did the same thing. Like you said, six figures. Yeah, yeah. it's a livable wage. That's, a, that's more than a comfortable wage. So I, I always feel like it's, I find it bizarre that people are like, oh, I want a million followers. Oh, yeah. or like, I want this amount of money, this amount of followers. Because like followers, this is a complete social media rant, rant, rant but it's fine. But it's like the amount of followers doesn't dictate your bank account. <laughs> if you, I always yeah. say like, if your follower account and your bank account don't match, then what are you doing? Because at the end of the day, you have to remember like, People are going to just press follow and people are going to press like because they're bored, because they're just on social media, because they see it and they like it and it's cool. We're all guilty of it, let's be honest. You know, we just, we scroll and we're like, cool. So it's like, how do you, and I guess the question for you actually, wait, actually no, now it's not a question for you because we need to talk about your work because you haven't got around to that yet. <laughs> well, actually, wait, okay. I'm going to change tactic here because I just realized that we're going to end up talking about this and not, and not uh, your work. Um, I just looked at this. I looked at this, and I was like, "We've been That's here for like so two hours, fifteen minutes." So I need to start talking about his work. Be a clever idea, Aaron. Be quiet and get on with it. I told you I'm rambly because I've been at work. That's my excuse. Um, my excuse is waking up at half four is not a good idea. Um, oh, right. So, so interestingly, <laughs> you create finite work and you create the commercial work. How do you balance the two? Uh, oh, good question. It took a while, but I compartmentalized. I just find it easier to do that. Um, if I just, if I understand what it is that I'm getting from something, I know usually I trust, I, I, I go with my intuition here, make educated guesses, but usually I can, I can trust when to do those things and when to take a break from those things. So it's been the case that since I started painting, I didn't realize it till this year that every April, May, I just take like three months out of painting and I just stop painting. And it really helps. Like it, it helps my uh, um, my development. It helps my peace of mind. It helps my creativity. And I realized painting gives me something very, very unique. It gives me a lot of freedom and a lot of uh, growth as a person and happiness. But it also is very taxing. It's incredibly taxing. And it's like with drawing, I can do it. And like I could be drawing now and, and do this podcast and it wouldn't, it wouldn't, kind of make any difference because i've been doing it for so many years now like 20 years i've been actively learning it and and maybe 10 years teaching it that i don't need to consider what it is that i'm doing like the decision making happens so kind of uh fluently that it doesn't it doesn't really kind of drain anything from me but because painting i assume is quite new um and i'm not anywhere near as comfortable with painting as i am drawing it re it requires a lot of attention um so there's, uh, there's, so I need big breaks, I think, I big breaks from it. And that helps a lot. Um, but I know that now and that then, so then I can say, okay, cool. Like 
there's a period where I can I can just not paint and it's okay. Like I don't need to worry. I don't need to stress and think that I'm not going to get any better or that I'm going to get worse or that I'm not going to make any money off it. Cause I just know, I know what it gives me. And then I can come back mm -hmm. after three months, paint this in five hours and be like, all right, cool. Like I'm, I'm back. Like I'm happy. Like, and let's, let's crack on, you know? And then with the drawing side of it is that I just love drawing, man. Like it's the only thing that in my life that's been able to just get me to sit down for hours on end and not move and forget about food, forget about, going anywhere forget about exercising and just get me to just sit down and do and just do that thing and so doing that as this kind of facts and fine liners thing where i'll do a drawing for a few hours and just sit down and do the work on it it just it just satisfies me man i just i just like doing it and i think as long as i facilitate spaces for me to do those things and i know roughly when I need those things and when I don't need them so I can force myself to stop and take breaks and I can compartmentalize and make breaks for myself or times for them or schedule it in or whatever like uh, I think it's, it's just that and then that way I don't really kind of meet any bumps in the road if I get a bit if I get tired and I think all right cool I'm I, I, I need to stop this and I whenever I think that I need to stop it's because I'm I'm making bad decisions in the work and then if I think if I continue to make bad decisions I'm just going to mess it up and it's going to it's going to start going into a negative and i'm going to have wasted all this time I, I invested in this thing um but usually i can kind of stop myself before i do but yeah compartmentalizing pretty much does most of it i think that's really interesting actually because i feel like that's quite a i feel like that's quite a skill because i think mm. the two kind of types of work are quite different and it's because one could argue like oh, if you see success in one area you'd give up the other one for it but with you it's a bit like yeah could argue but with that. you it's a bit like even if both of them are successful or neither of them are successful, you're still going to do them either way because you enjoy them. Like how important is yes. the, the success of each, each kind of, I guess, type of work? Like, would you get, ever give one of them for the other? Yeah, I used to think like that. I used to think that I would. So I, I used to kind of use this illustration of, uh, let's say I like mm. 10 things and uh, three of them are things that other people like and will spend money on. And I'm like, okay, cool. Then I'll just stop doing the other seven. So I still get to do three things that I like. It's just that those three things happen to make me money. What I didn't realize is that the other seven things uh, with the three were all uh, interdependent. Like the only reason that I liked those three things was because I could take breaks and do the other seven. Um, yes. And I didn't realize yeah. that. And it was a case of, oh, okay, well, when I, as, soon as, I, as soon as I clocked that, I realized, oh, I could, cool. I just need to make space and time for doing the other things. So because, uh, because I grew up without much money, I don't put much value in it. I understand what life is like when you don't have it. So I want to develop financial freedom and financial intelligence. And that's a, a big goal of mine, right? But other than not needing to worry about heating or food or having yeah. a roof over your head, right? Yeah. Money can't improve my uh, quality of life from what I've experienced of money. Hmm. It, ha it can't improve the quality of my life in ways that are better than the art that I'm making or that the time I spend with my friends. Hmm. It's different. It's different. Going on holiday to like visiting Japan or performing in European games or going to America or whatever. Like these are really cool experiences. But I did all of those experiences through dance, and that's what made it cool. And I experienced those things with my partner or friends, and that's what made it cool. And having money means that I could do more of those things. But to get that money, I'm only going to get that doing the art thing. And the only reason I'm going to do the art thing is because that's what provides me that quality and, and that value. So, yeah, I don't know. I think that.
That concludes the first part of my conversation with artist Lee Putman. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments about it, please send me an email at theflyingthroughbowl at gmail.com or get in touch via social media sites such as Instagram and Twitter. The Flying Through World podcast can be found on a variety of sites such as Spotify, YouTube and Apple Music. If you like the show, please consider rating, reviewing, sharing or subscribing on any of these platforms to help spread the word. Please don't forget to check out theflyingthroughbowl.co.uk for daily art inspiration and if you're a creative, please get in touch for a chance to be featured or interviewed. If you're interested in supporting the platform further, we now also have a Patreon page for monthly donations. Tears down from £1 and you can find more information over at patreon.com forward slash the flying fruit bowl. Additionally, if monthly donations are not your thing, we also have a PayPal for one-time donation. Once again, thank you very much for listening today. Until next time folks, please stay safe.